You're listening to Red Ten Sisters, a podcast providing expert sisterly advice on women's most pressing reproductive and sexual health questions. This week on the podcast, we're talking to Roshka Hasseldine of MotherDaughterCoach.com about how we can work to reconcile some of the challenges that exist in mother-daughter relationships. We'll discuss the root causes of mother-daughter conflict, how to ensure the intergenerational energy is flowing forward, not backward, and how to heal your mother-daughter legacy. Welcome, Roshka. Hi, Amy. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. This is exciting. Oh, I'm so thrilled to have you on. Yes, thank you. All right, so let's just dive in here right now. I wanted to ask you, you know, your work is focused on coaching mothers and daughters, which is a really unique coaching niche. I don't think I've seen anyone else who's doing that. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to start doing this work? Well, it, actually, it was many years ago. It was well over 20, 20 well over 20 years ago. Um, so when I was in my 20s, my relationship with my mum was, 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 was not good at all. And that started me thinking, I just couldn't believe that it was just my mum and I that, had, that were struggling to really hear each other, to emotionally connect, to really understand each other's perspectives. Um, and all that you know, turmoil coincided with the birth of my daughter, when I, and I was 26 at the time, um, and that really was the catalyst for me. You know, literally, you know, minutes after she was born, I just knew <laughs> that I had to. You know, we have this inspiration when when we have, when we give birth, and that was my inspiration with Olivia. I knew that I had to get my relationship sorted with my mum, otherwise, her and I would just not have a good time together. Um, and so, with that. I started reading, but there wasn't really a tremendous amount out there at the time. And I started talking to other people, and I realized that I wasn't alone and that my mum and I weren't alone and that, that it was really very common that mothers and daughters really didn't get on very well and didn't find, were, were struggling to find that, you know, the, the deep emotional connection that they, that they can have and really should have. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so that led me to do my counselling training um, in America, and I've been working and researching with mothers and daughters and researching that relationship ever since, and I'm in my 50s. So it, I really feel that the topic called me. I do feel that this was, my, this was what I was supposed to do with my life. So, mm-hmm. Well, um, I can totally relate because, as you know, I have a daughter as well, and I was also 26 when she was born, and she was the reason that catapulted me on my life's work as well. So, exactly. you know, it's such a such a beautiful gift that our daughters have given us um, to help us find our calling and our our purpose. And I think that's so beautiful. Yeah, I, I, so I, you, I, I, and actually, that shows how powerful the mother daughter relationship actually is, because mm-hmm. we want it different for our daughters. We want we want we want to give our daughters a, a better either relationship or life or opportunities or whatever than than maybe we've had. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned on your website that your work helps kind of get at the root cause of why mothers and daughters fight and misunderstand each other. What themes have you noticed in, you know, the past 20 years in your work with clients and mothers and daughters? Well, I would say the overarching theme, if you peel 
away underneath all the arguments about who said what and who didn't say what and who doesn't understand what is that women, that mothers and daughters are fighting over getting heard and getting understood. And I mm. think the theme that I see over and in the mother-daughter mapping that I do of the three generations of the daughter, the mother and the grandmother, that what I see map after map is that mother, women have a legacy or we've inherited a history where women's needs and particularly our emotional needs are not heard. And that is what is causing, that's what I see is causing the conflict. So it's women's emotional needs in particular or needs in general not being heard and also um, restrictive and limiting sexist beliefs also cause mothers and daughters to fight and then there's the generational differences with that in terms of what mom believes is normal for 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 a woman as opposed to what the daughter believes is possible for her and not being able to see eye to eye on the on those differences on on, on each other's lives actually mm-hmm. um so you helped us map our mother-daughter history a while back, and I want to ask you, you know, some questions about that and what came up. Um, but before I do that, do you want to just explain to our listeners a little bit about what you mean by a mother-daughter, like a map? This is something that it's a tool or an exercise that I, I've developed over the years. Um, it's based on the basic sort of genogram that you know family uh, family therapists do where you look at the multi-generational impact in a family. Um, but as I did this, you know, way back when I started, I, got, I felt frustrated because I felt that the way that the, genogra- the traditional genogram didn't really um, narrow in or zone in on what is it like for women in the family and not just the stories, but the emotional experience of women in the family. Are women's needs met? Are women heard? Are women celebrated? Are, are women's rites of passage, like what, what you and Kim do so beautifully, are they talked about? And, and is there a ritual for, for women getting their period or, or going through menopause? Mm-hmm. Those, sort of, those sort of things. Um, and I felt that that was missing in the traditional way. So I threw out the rules and started again, and, and I've created a way where, so if I was mapping a woman's mother-daughter history, um, like, for example, if I was doing yours, you'd be the daughter and then your mum and your grandma and looking at really what, what, what your perspective is on what's, what went on in your mother's life and your grandmother's life, not just the stories, but emotionally, and how how women have been treated in the family. So we look at the men are added in the map, not so much in terms of, you know, there is some understanding of what happened in their life, but particularly how they treat the women, how they treat, right. how your mother was treated, how your grandmother was treated, and, mm-hmm. and how, and what she heard. Mm. Right. So when we did our mother-daughter history with you, um, you explained to us that it's really important that the the flow of energy is moving forward through the generations and not backwards. Can you explain a little bit about what you meant by that? Well, that that again picks up the emotional needs. Um, Mm -hmm. So if 
if so, for example, and and you know, in most maps, because our mother's generation, women's needs were really not heard, and especially emotional needs were not heard during generation. And I think we're only just waking up to that now. Um, so if a woman, if a mother, if what she needs isn't heard within the family, and her role is to to take care of everybody else, but there is not, nobody's really there to take care of her, and she isn't entitled to take care of herself either, emotionally I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Then what happens then is that though her needs just don't dissipate. They don't go away. Right. They are there. So they go underground, and what happens is, is the daughter, and often it's the eldest daughter that, not always, but most commonly it's the eldest daughter then is is given the role of taking care of mum's needs. So she learns then to listen for what does mum need, what does mum, how does mum feel, how can I make mum feel um, better, how can I ease mum's life. And while she's listening for that, and that starts from very young onwards, she's not really listening for her own. She's, she becomes an expert on what her mum needs and not an expert on her own needs, coupled with the fact that if a mother doesn't know how to voice her own needs. She can't, she, there's a language missing there that she doesn't mm. know how to teach her own daughter. So there's those two dynamics fit together, which means that the focus of care, emotional caring goes back up to mum rather than forward to the daughter. Um, and I think that why, I think that really causes a lot of problems when the daughter's 13 or 14 because I think that's part of one of the reasons why there can be a lot of, you know, uh, an increased amount of conflict between mothers and daughters at that at that age when the daughter becomes a teenager. Um, so that, yeah, the focus goes backwards rather than forwards. And I think that is an inherited pattern because the, as, if the daughter grows up not knowing her own needs and she has a daughter, the, the dynamics will, con- will continue. Um, and related to what I said before then, you know, if the daughter tries and changes that and the mother doesn't understand what's going on and she she needs her daughter to keep focusing on her, then conflict can happen because they then mm-hmm. start fighting over who gets hurt or who's in, whose needs get met. Does it, is it the mothers or the daughters? They don't know how to meet both their needs together openly and, in, you know, with full awareness of what, what they may be. Right. So how do, how do you work with you know, mother-daughter couples to, to change that, you know, especially given what you said about sometimes, you know, the previous generation has certain, they're raised with certain expectations. Maybe, you know, they spent, you know, 50 or 60 years, you know, yeah. sublimating their own needs. It's, that's a tough habit to break. So it's a very tough habit to break. Them? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, it, and again, it depends, it depends on the individual couple because, Sadly, you know, the, I see the full range. I see this, the, the, the couples where the mother is so emotionally disconnected from herself. Um, mm-hmm. And I call, it, she, I call it emotionally starved. She is so starved. She is, so, she is really, and she's emotionally unable to process that. And that makes it very difficult. There's a limit to the connection that's possible in that relationship uh, so my my role is then to somehow find a way for the daughter to not lose herself in her mother's needs. 
and to still so that the pattern changes, but to somehow find a way to 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 build some sort of relationship. Because in that relationship, the daughter's needs, regardless of age, and often those daughters will be in her 20s or 30s or maybe 40s, mm -hmm. um, her, her needs are not going to be voiced in that mother-daughter relationship. Because the mother, for whatever reason, and, this is, and, and, and I think the focus of this is, is not about blame at all. Because the mother, if a mother is so emotionally disconnected, something's happened to her that's made it that way. Some, mm -hmm. She has been incredibly starved in her relationships through life events that has made her that way. Um, mm -hmm. So it's about understanding yet that pattern isn't okay and it needs to change. So finding, finding a balance between understanding and changing that pattern. Um, so And in other relationships, when, you know, we work on both mothers and daughters learning how to speak that language and yeah. incorporating that language into their relationship and actually into the family. Uh, right. Which in, and in some families, it's, it's embraced wholeheartedly and in others, you know, they need that, in, they need, you know, they need to do some work to change the thinking about mm -hmm. that women's, women's needs are vitally important. It's a human right to have our needs met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you're talking, it's also occurring to me, you know, that guilt must play a big role in this dynamic, you know, oh. that mothers give so much to their daughters, and so it must yeah. be so hard for daughters to say, you know, no, I can't, I can't yeah. do what you're asking, um, you know, because we feel that we somehow owe it. Yes, and, and guilt tripping that, that then, women are, are drowning in guilt, and I call it Often it's guilt by, I call this guilt by proxy because it's not real guilt. It's not guilt you have done something wrong. It's not that healthy, you know, guilt that stops us making becoming sociopaths. This is guilt. Right. This is, this is, this is sexism making women, um, this is a form of silencing women actually. Um, mm. so yes, you know, it is, I, that, and that's my job too, is to somehow sort of, reframe that guilt as 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 not being real because it mm. it is because if you in a sense say oh well mum gave so much i should then suppress my you know needs and give to mum that you are then repeating the pattern right your needs are just as matters the daughter's needs matter just as much as the mum's needs did right. and it is very yep. tragic that they weren't met but you cannot repeat that pattern because you cannot mm -hmm. for your daughter or or your sons as well, so that your sons grow up knowing that women's needs are a normal part of everyday conversation. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then I imagine that it also becomes, well, actually, there's a couple things I was going to say. So one is, you know, I jokingly said after I became a mother that to be a mother was to be come, you know, the lady of perpetual guilt <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. there's <laughs> such oh, high expectations that we put on ourselves about, you know, how to mother perfectly. And so I think we also end up with this challenge of, you know, the energy is going backwards to our mother, the energy is going forwards to our child. 
um, yeah. you know, we're maybe trying to make up for things that we didn't have as a child, so we're giving of ourselves even more to our child, and then the energy is going, you know, every direction except to oneself. <laughs> exactly, and that's what I see in these maps, because I draw arrows, and who takes care of who, particularly emotionally, because you can often say, oh, well, I took care of mom, you know, when she was ill or when she gets elderly. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the emotional care. And often you can see it, arrows are flying in every direction away from the mother, but very mm-hmm. few are flowing to them, or maybe it's the daughter that's flowing to it. And that's not that's 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 a recipe for emotional starvation and for guilt, absolutely for overgiving. And I know that. I mean, I I I I've fallen into that trap too, and I've had. To, I'm still, you know, having to think, focus on what do I need, even though my you know my kids are adults now. Um, mm-hmm. You know what's you know focus on my life being as important as as theirs. Yeah. So for women listening who would like to improve a relationship with their mother, um, you know, or grandmother or stepmother, you know, what are some of the things that you would recommend? Well, the first thing I would I would really suggest is that they do map their mother daughter history and start learning. Um, and start really looking at understanding what the emotional legacy is in their family and what mm-hmm. they have inherited. Um, because understanding that will help them understand their mum and mm-hmm. their grandma and it will help them understand them because what's, what was emotionally missing for their mum is likely to be missing for them as well because right. that conversation isn't in the family. So the types, and, and you can see that too, in terms of legacies of violence, you know that that what's the emotional legacy that that enables women in the family to, you know, be with men that are emotionally violent or physically violent, and that that's an inherited pattern as well. Um, so, yeah, mapping, finding out what's what's been passed on emotionally in your family, I think, would be really important, and then to recognise what. What needs do you not meet for yourself that you really need to look at? Um, mm-hmm. Do you even know what you need? So waking up that voice for yourself would be would be really important and would do a lot to change your relationship with your mum and 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 if you have a daughter with your daughter. So taking responsibility for your own, you know, emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you do work with a variety of mothers, including step parents. Um, so, what differences, if any, have you noticed between you know biological mothers and other mother figures, whether it's adoptive, you know, grandmothers, step parents? I think, I mean, the father, the father always has quite a role to play in terms of mother-daughter relationship. As you know, as we've been talking, it's you know how, how dad treats the women in the family, and especially his wife. If he right. listens to her, then that will be emotionally feeding to her. And I think that's particularly important with stepmothers and stepdaughters. Um, so I think in that relationship, um, how the father navigates or and how the, the step parents, how, the, how, those, how they navigate that, that blended family or will have a direct impact on the mother-daughter relationship or the, or the step, stepmother mm-hmm. and stepdaughter relationship. But again, peeling away the layers, again, it's, 
all women really want is to be heard and understood. Um, mm-hmm. Because for for mothers and daughters, or even stepmothers and daughters, being heard and understood feels like being loved. Right. I think women women really feel more loved if they feel that they're known, i.e. Yeah. really known. And so mm-hmm. underneath the layers, I think the same applies. Helping mothers, stepmothers and daughters to to really know what it's like to be in their shoes and and uh, and be able to communicate that they know what it's like to be in each other's shoes. Mm-hmm. I think it's really would would go a long way in in easing that relationship and actually bonding that relationship better. Right. So our business, as you know, is based around the concept of the red tent, where women would mm-hmm. gather and offer wisdom, wisdom to one another. And unfortunately, rituals that facilitate sharing between generations of women are, are quite rare now, especially yeah. in Western society. What impact do you think that that's had on mother-daughter relationships? I think it has a huge impact, actually, um, because I think, and I, I think, and, and that's why I applaud your work, really, because we really need to reinvent this re- the, the notion of women gathering. Um, mm-hmm. I think the impact is it leaves women not knowing their female history. We don't have a designated time or a space or or a legitimate a, a legitimacy around. We need to know what happened to mum. We need to know what happened to grandma. We need to know what happened to our aunts and and our great aunts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think to me. In, in, in the, with the lack of that, I see map after map how our, our mothers and our grandmothers have died unknown and uncelebrated as well. I see that mm. in my family, and particularly um, the strength and the wisdom that my grandmother had just was never has never been acknowledged and has died with her. And I think, mm-hmm. to me, that is an enormous tragedy and an enormous loss and a crime to, to a great extent that women are uh, are allowed to die so unknown and so uncelebrated. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the other reason, so I've got, I, I've, I think there are four reasons. So it's the not knowing your history. The second is we can forget if we don't know, if we don't gather and hear what was life was like for mom and grandma, we can forget that we can think that life has been like this for women all the time, forever. And we think that's how recent the rights that we now enjoy are, because they really right. are. I mean, my mm-hmm. my my mother, you know, in the in when I was born, I mean, working as a as a mother in New Zealand was a really taboo. And we're talking 1960, so mm-hmm. not knowing our, our our what was life like for our ancestors, female ancestors, we for, we can forget the strength and the wisdom that these women had to fight for what we now enjoy. Um, the third thing, which is related to that, we can forget then how our mothers and our grandmas were affected by the sexism of, of their day. And, by, and if we forget that, and if we don't know about that, we then actually can forget or be blind to the sexism that's still around today and not mm-hmm. see how we are affected by it today. Um, and I think the fourth thing, it reduces the power of the mother-daughter relationship as being central to women's lives central and central to women's power for change. Like we said right at the start of this podcast, both of us 
you know, were got into action because of our daughter. <laughs> yes. And so would the suffragette, suffragettes, you know, and yeah. it would have been my great-grandmother um, had she been a suffragette, you know, mm-hmm. would have said, no, my daughter needs to have the vote. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the mother-daughter relationship is, is, a, is, is the, the power in that relationship hasn't been realized enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you're talking, you know, another thing that comes to mind, um, you know, that I, I wanted to highlight because, you know, most of our conversation obviously has centered around the challenges, but, but you know, when we mapped our mother-daughter legacy for Kim and I, you know, one of the things that came through really strongly was, um, you know, the strength and, and mm. you know, the, the choices Absolutely. that some of our ancestors have made that really have paved the way, just as you were explaining, that have really you know, helped us become who we are today um, and given us, you know, the strength to make decisions that would have made, been very difficult in the past. Um, and so I think that that's a really, you know, important thing to note. It's just that those rites of passage and those, you know, sharing within the Red Tent, um, that concept is such an opportunity for, you know, women to share their their wisdom and their strength and so that we know that, you know, we're not alone. And, um yeah, so I just wondered if you wanted to speak to, to that for a moment about, you know, what you have noticed in terms of the, the positive attributes that have come through the mother-daughter mapping process. Well, absolutely. I think I think that's, uh, you know, on, on a lot of maps, I, you know, on each map I write the themes that need to be changed, but there's also the list of what's really strong because women know how to survive. We, mm-hmm. we are very resilient. Um, and, you know, if I... If I mentioned personally in terms of knowing mm-hmm. my female legacy which I've had to sort of in a way cobble together because the women in my family are very silent but you know that the, the, my grandmother during the second world war was incredibly courageous she had medicines in her um, laundry basket that my grandmother was in Indonesia during the second world war and she hid medicines because she didn't want them just to be used for the Japanese soldiers. She wanted everybody to have have them. And so she hid them just as, you know, and, and mm-hmm. as before the soldiers came marching into her house to look for them. And if I, if I can, you know, that story was told in my family very rarely. But, you know, what I, what, what I really would have liked it to be told is how amazing. I don't know if I could have done that. Yet, mm. knowing that my grandmother had the foresight and the courage and the selflessness to do that, you know, in a sense, makes me feel stronger in some way. It makes yeah. me think, well, you know, this her blood flows through my veins. So if she mm-hmm. can do that, then when I get challenges that are nothing like that, um, you know, I can I can draw on the strength that she had to 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 survive or to fight for what she needed and what what the, her community needed that I can mm-hmm. do the same so you know draw, finding those stories i think are really important because they make us a they make women known they celebrate our wisdom and our courage and they and they make us feel stronger individually and collectively mhm yes absolutely and uh, I think that was one of the greatest gifts, you know, that I received from doing the mapping with you was just to really, 
you know, have a sense of, you know, both the challenges, um, you know, and the patterns that have existed and, and also, you know, where we were able to note that those had gotten broken. That was really exciting yeah. too, you know, to see certain patterns and where, you know, myself or my mother or my grandmother has, you know, worked to break those patterns. Um, that yeah. was something really to celebrate. And then also to see, you know, where those women have really, you know, put themselves out on a limb or challenged societal norms or sexism, um, you know, so that in the work that Kim and I do, you know, we we know that, you know, there, there are so many women who paved the way before us, and there will yes. likely be many women who will pave it after us um, exactly. because there's so much more work to do. But it, it helps when you feel alone in the struggle to remember, you know, that you yeah. have a whole um, sort of army of women behind you who have been fighting the good fight <laughs> for a long time. Um, and it does give you a real sense of, of power. I, know, I agree. The, we yeah, knowing the women that we, whose shoulders we stand on, mm-hmm. and there will be women who will stand on our shoulders. I think is yeah. really important because it 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 may, it gives it shows the the, fem, the female power, the power mm-hmm. we have to, to create a life that's good and nurturing for for us and for our mm-hmm. daughters. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for this, Roshka. It's been fabulous. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about where they can find you if they'd like to work with you or learn more about what you do? Well, my website is um, motherdaughtercoach.com. You have a look at that. Um, You can sign up to my – I have a free newsletter that I send out where I often blog about something mother-daughter or something that's (laughs) (laughs) enraged me about what's – in the media, um, I also blog on the Huffington Post, so you can look up Roshka Hasseldine on Huffington Post and, and follow my blog posts. Um, and in terms of working with me, I, I see most of my clients through Skype, so I have a very international practice. So when I see clients, um, I'm, in, I'm in America, in New Hampshire, but I see clients throughout in different states in the US and in England and Europe. Um, and even as far as you know, New Zealand and Australia. So, um, so yeah, well, Skype is a fantastic thing. I cannot imagine life without Skype. Both, <laughs> both working with clients and with talking my do- with my daughter. Um, <laughs> so, and uh, and of course, my book, The Silent Female Scream, is on it's on Amazon or and on Kindle as well. Um, so yeah, that's me. Terrific. All right. Well, thank you again so much, Roshka. This has been very, very helpful. I know that our listeners will have really gained a lot from listening to this. So thanks again. Well, thank, right, thank you, Amy. Thank you. You're Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Red Tent Sisters, the podcast. We're Kim and Amy Sedgwick, co-founders of Red Tent Sisters, a business dedicated to providing holistic fertility, sexuality, and contraceptive solutions. If you have something you'd like to share about this week's topic, we invite you to join the conversation on our Facebook page. Or if you have a question you'd like to hear addressed on the show or have an expert you'd like to see interviewed here, please send us an email at thesisters at redtensisters.com. And don't forget to subscribe to Red Ten Sisters, the podcast, for more great tips on how to resolve your feminine concerns and live a vibrant, passionate life naturally. Thanks for listening.